handle. We interrupt this program to bring you. Great world, great world, party time, excellent. On the news. <laughs> and now, here's. Great world. So I'm not waiting for any uh, 4th of July or patriotic-themed lyrics for the opener, even though yesterday you were very proud to tell me that every single bumper this show was going to be 4th of July or patriotic. And I said, are you going to find enough? And you said, hells yes. And then right out of the chute, the plan is abandoned. It's fine. Good morning. It's the Bill Handel Show. Bill's off today. Listen, I got more. Wait a minute. (laughs) I didn't warn any about anybody about this, but before we get into handle on the news, confrontation time, because Bill is gone. Yeah. And I have a very minor bone to pick, and it's something that, it's one of the few things that if it happens around here, I know it's not Bill. Oh. It's one of you three. Oh. Or it could be a Murder on the Orient Express thing where it's all of you three, spoiler alert. Okay. I went. I came in today, and as you know, normally when I come in in the morning, I refill the printer with paper. In our office? Yes. Okay. Who? Now, it could be a, you know what? It could be an outsider. So, <laughs> however, who is being nice by putting paper in the printer, but then leaving... The empty husk oh. of the wrapper of the ream just still sitting there on the shelf. Now, does anybody, would anybody care to confess at this time? Here's the thing. I think we Keep all know who it is. Keep we all know who it is, but are we gonna are we gonna turn on each other? The three of us know who it is, but wow. are we gonna turn? Well, it's for I the who it was. I think it's yeah. for the person to come forward on the day of our country's independence because if you don't man up or woman up or whatever today, it's not just a slap in the face to <laughs> all of us here on the show. It's kind of a slap. In the face of the United States of America. Wow, wow that's that's rough, Wayne. So, does anyone wish to say anything at this time, which before you do or don't? Today was not the first time. Yeah. Oh. And I don't make a thing about a thing for one thing. This has been a pattern of empty husks <laughs> from the reams of paper. So, here we go. If anybody would like to say anything, three... Two, one. What? Really? Really? John Ramirez is pretending like he's talking into the microphone, but nobody's hearing you, sir. No, I just, I just, I just want to say it, I, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. Okay, first off, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't print y'all stuff. Y'all are not loyal. Second, all we um, said was it wasn't us. We didn't say. 
Oh, please. No, it was, that does have a flavor, it though, does have throwing flavor somebody else throwing under the under red, the white, bus. and blue bus. Well, it is, because the thing is, and it's, so it's, it's my bone to pick, too, because other people don't fill, not with you, but other people don't fill the other printers. So whenever I'm trying to print something, I'm like, y'all don't refill these printers. So I get mad. I'm taking the paper, refilling the other printers, and I just forget in my madness to throw out the empty husk. To her credit this morning, Alex pitched the most fantastic fit when the printer started beeping mm-hmm. that it needed more paper. 60 in there? Oh, the yeah. The printer in that office? She uh, she kind of went a little postal, and it was <laughs> actually really fun because you don't see that kind of passion at like 10 after 4 in the morning. Mm-hmm. But Alex delivered for a good 60 seconds. All right. I think we should start going to Kinko's. <laughs> Well, I'm glad the mystery has been solved, and I yeah. guess you get some you get credit for finally coming forward, even though the other two kind of forced you. Yeah. But you know what? It's our bad because we don't refill it. So Do we, you print to it? Of course. Well see, but now here's the thing. I feel like I need to say, Wayne, you're an enabler because I know you always do it, so I just go ahead and print to it. How Assuming. dare you be nice and make us lazy, Wayne? I know. Wow. Yeah. Did that uh, help? That's really Alex? what you're saying, Jen. The Did treachery. All right, well, let me ask yeah. you, Jen, one more thing before we start, because this, this could make it all go away. Yes. Did you make the thing you mm. said you were going to make? I did not make Oh, this. my goodness! Wait, wait, wait. No, wait. But I did bring something. So it's not that I didn't, that I failed completely. I can't hear you right now because I threw wait, my headphones just... in anger. She bought something. She didn't make it. I bought something. I didn't make it. Is it similar to what you said you were going to bring? Very. Oh, Okay. It's you know, still cream and strawberries and a cakey-like thing. All right. Wow. It's going to be one of those. All right. John, <laughs> cue, up a, cue up a nice uh, patriotic bump, and we're going to start the show again. <laughs> you let me know when it's ready. You just take your time, John. Are we doing that as the lead story? No. Like a bump. To, oh, we're reo- we're oh, going to reopen the show. It, I don't, even, I don't there, even, you know, I, I could have taken the holiday off as well, but I didn't. No, you're not leaving me here. Because then you're ruining the bump for the quarter. Well, you'll find another one. Right now? You sa- Yesterday, wow. you said, yesterday, when I said, are you going to be able to find enough 4th of July bumps? You were like, oh, yeah, well, there's so many, no problem. Now you're like, oh, I can't spare one. John, you did point out to me this morning all the bumpers were going to be Patreon. Yeah, but then and I backed you up yesterday. You're kind of making me look bad twice today. Yeah, dude. but we're we're not teasing it right. That's not how this works, guys. You're, you're supposed to tease it, and and then it we play. It. Uh-oh. You want me to call Robin too? We'll double time it. Shh. Hey, Marjorie. Good morning. <laughs> Wait, no, John. And you ruined the bit, too. Wow. Lead story. I knew he wouldn't be ready. Oh, that's, that's, oh, sorry. Well, this is very upsetting because we just had the Gabriel Fernandez case where those monsters tortured that poor little boy. And murdered him, and uh, you know the guy got the death penalty, and uh, the mom pled out to save her hide, but she's doing life. And now comes another case of a ten-year-old Anthony Avalos 
Very much a similar situation. You have the mother and then you have the new boyfriend. And I I mean, they may have been together a while, but not the father. And apparently, well, he was he died and they called 911 and said he fell in the house. Those lies never work. Mm -mm. And it turns out that uh, he had been substantially tortured and mistreated for days before he passed away, including... Prosecutors are alleging they poured hot sauce on his face, whipped him with a looped cord and a belt, held him upside down and dropped him on his head repeatedly. They would alternate between not letting him eat anything and then force feeding him, slamming him into the floor, slamming him into the furniture, not letting him use the restroom. And I guess also there were other kids in the house and making the making all the kids fight each other. So they were in court earlier this week. They were going to be arraigned. Um, And then they postponed the arraignment, which is very interesting because the arraignment is such a just little formality that doesn't doesn't mean anything. So I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Why? Uh, But in any event, it's also similar to the Gabriel Fernandez case in that there were calls to Child Protective Services for years And it, where did it happen? Lancaster. Yep. That, let me tell you something. I know that, it, is it four uh, workers and former workers up there are, are facing criminal yes, charges four. for Gabriel yes. Fernandez? That, that department up there, I'm not talking about the entire county, Child Protective Services. Talking about the Antelope Valley. That particular department. They need to march everybody out hand them their severance papers, and burn the buildings to the ground up there. Absolutely. And start over. Start all over. One time is an unspeakable tragedy. Two times, there are no words for what it is. And aren't you as intrigued as I am in finding out if it's possible that it was the same supervisor over the same cases, if it was the same Maybe. workers over well, the same all, cases? Well, it'll, it'll all come out. But I say just preemptively you got to wipe the slate clean up there and start over. Because how many more kids up there are being, you know, when's the next one going to happen? All right, let's uh, let's take a break and then we'll continue. It's KFI AM 640. Uh, Jennifer, you have... I guess I'm the jerk today because, uh, so the first, the first, you know what I'm going to say? Everybody knows what I'm going to say, but I, I guess I still have to say it, right? Well, the first patriotic song of the day is a song that is in fact not patriotic yeah, and has been misused as a patriotic anthem ever since Bruce Springsteen released it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> The minute I heard it, I thought, right? It's like, and the hole is dug deeper. Hey, good morning. It's the Bill Handel Show. Bill is off today on this 4th of July, and uh, it looks like the rest of us are descending into a Lord of the Flies situation (laughs) here on the show. Although, what better way to celebrate the current state of our country than a bunch of squabbling for no good reason? All right, let's go back to handle on the news. Uh, Jennifer Jones, Lee, and me, and Alex, and John. 
Such a sad story coming out of Palmdale. It looks like a family of four, including two young girls, were killed in a crash. And when I say young, one and two years old. Yeah, and it's their car that caused the accident. Uh, They were driving a green Kia, and it swerved out of its lane and hit a van. I guess the van, there was no way for the van to maneuver away. And it was some sort of uh, um, like a passenger van, but it was empty other than the driver. Yeah. Uh, and so they have all died. Um, the the mom, the dad, and one of the daughters, they were all, I guess, they, they were not thrown out of the car. They died at the scene. And then the second little girl, the way I'm reading this, you know, they don't explicitly say she was thrown from the car. But I'm assuming since they're saying the other three were not. Yeah. The only it's right. The only conclusion you could reach is the other little girl was thrown out of the car, died at the hospital. And they said that the girls were dressed the same. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know why that just breaks my heart. That that fact. Uh, well, the Thai youth soccer team trapped in a cave will be rescued, but it could take months. Me. Because they have to figure out a plan first. What's the best plan to get them out of there? Now, the good news is, of course, they were in there for 10 days and they found them and they're all alive. Yeah. Nobody has any serious medical issues. I know that they've already they've been able to get them water and uh, liquid food, high protein liquid food. They haven't been able to get them solid food yet, but, you know, their nutrition is now happening again. You know, you have to go very slowly. Oh, absolutely. If you don't eat for 10 days, you cannot just start eating whatever you want again. Uh, and now they're they're looking at different possible plans. One of them, I don't think this is the one they're going to pick, is to actually drill into there to create some kind of a new path out. Another plan is to send in basically scuba gear, teach them how to use it, see if they can get professional divers in there to help escort them out, and have them swim and dive out. Uh, and they were saying where they can, where it's wide enough, they would have two dive, one kid or the coach, one diver on either side. Right. Which at that point is actually pretty safe, relatively speaking. The problem is some of those passageways are too narrow to do that. So there, be, yeah. there would be parts where some of these kids would have to go alone. For a certain amount of time. And it's not just teaching them about how to use this scuba gear. None of these boys can swim, period. Yeah. So that's on top of it. Right. So imagine imagine the fear. You're 12 or 13 years old, and they, this is your first time swimming. And they said that the distance that they have to travel is not just straight up, but the distance that they have to travel through those crevices and whatnot is the size of 20 football fields to oh. make it to the surface. Oh, my goodness. The the only thing I will say about all of the, the that they don't know how to swim and everything is, given what they've been through already, they might not be as afraid. They might just be like, help if, me get out of here. Right, especially if it means we're getting out of here. So, all right, well, fingers crossed on that. And although they're saying it could take months, let's let's hope they're proven wrong. Yeah. And it's faster than that. All right, uh, let's take a break, and then we'll continue handle on the news when we come back. It's KFI AM. It took me four days to hitchhike from Saginaw. I've come to look for America. 
6.40. It is the Bill Handel Show on July 4th. Bill is off today. He is leading a protest against the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. Uh, he says that they should change it to a ham and cheese baguette eating contest. Oh. I tried to explain to him yesterday before he left. Nathan's sells hot dogs. That's why it's hot dogs. They don't sell him. And he, he said, I don't care. That's weird. Yeah. That I don't know if he's going to make it. the news or not. But <laughs> All right. We'll continue uh, Handle on the News with Jennifer Jones Lee and me and Alex and John. And the Trump administration has rescinded some Obama-era policies that encouraged affirmative action. Yeah, it's a reversion to the George W. Bush administration guidelines. It's not really their their own creation. Yeah. And uh, you know what this shows? This shows that if I say to you, and by the way, we're going to get into the details here at 7. Okay. If I say to you, like, what does America stand for? It's like... It depends. Well, it depends on depends who you on are. What, yeah, it depends on what party's in power. This is a country that flips its identity every four or eight years, it seems. And this is a good example of that. All right. But at seven, we'll get into exactly what is going on with this. And is it as bad as it sounds if you're pro-affirmative action? Oh, well, the coat hanger pictures are coming Fast and furious on social media, and they are all sent to the same person. It's my life. It's now my uh, my cadence was misleading there, right? It sounded like I was going to say who it was first, but I wanted to. Hang on. Uh, Maine Republican Senator Susan Collins, one of the more moderate Republicans, seen as the one most likely to perhaps vote no. For a Supreme Court nominee who would overturn Roe v. Wade. And so uh, everybody's tweeting her pictures of coat hangers. Of course. It's not going to be coat hangers. No. I, I, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to say it's nothing to be concerned about, that right. we could get a court that could overturn Roe v. Wade. I'm not, because it's... However, the answer to this whole problem is going to be uh, medically, medicinally induced abortions. We're almost there where you're not you're just going to go to a pharmacy or if you can't get to the pharmacy, you're not going to go to a back alley and have a disreputable person put a coat hanger inside of you. You're going to go over to somebody's house and you're going to buy a handful of pills and you're going to take them and you're going to abort your pregnancy. And that's what's going to happen. So they're sending pictures of the wrong things. A federal judge has ordered the Trump administration to consider... Releasing asylum seekers. People were waiting in line for a place by the river. And this law predates the administration's now reversed practice of separating families at the border. But we were talking a lot about who is grandfathered in and who is not, and for what reasons were they coming, and how can you separate the two? And so these asylum seekers now, they're saying in the the case of the detention of undocumented immigrants seeking asylum in the U.S., once they pass their initial screening, they say the government is supposed to make an individual decision about whether that immigrant should be released or detained, according to the current government policy. And uh, activists are saying that instead, the the Trump administration is just basically across the board denying, Denying they call it it. parole for these people. Uh, And I don't know if that's what's happening. Here's a weird thing. If you say 
we're just going to deny everybody. That's illegal. But is it illegal to say we're going to change the standards? We're going to look at each person individually, but we're going to change the standards that we use. And then changing the standards means far fewer people get released. Is I would that think illegal? that's illegal. Or is that still an individual determination? It feels like if they are trying to walk the line on this one, that would be the way to go. To say we're going to up our standards, therefore that equals not as many people are going to get in. Yeah. I don't know. Well, we'll see what happens here with that. Boy, judges, I will say this, judges are loving Oh yeah. Uh, to go after this administration. And that, now somebody, it was funny, I just said that. And some people heard me and go, oh, he's sticking up for President Trump. No. And, and other people, right? And other people maybe are saying like, oh, he likes the fact that judges are going after President Trump. I'm just saying a fact. No, I, I, the way I took it was you were just saying that judges are doing the happy dance because right now they're splitting hairs when it comes to the law. Yeah, well, that's what they like to do. Yeah. Um, oh, so here's an interesting way to protest the separation of families and the detention of families. A church in Indianapolis has put up a very interesting nativity scene. Born of a woman. It's Mary, Joseph, and the baby Jesus. In a cage of chain link fence and barbed wire, they're in it. They they are in an immigration detention center, basically. Uh, members of this church, it's Christ Church Cathedral, say the journeys of immigrant families are similar to that of the Holy Family. The Reverend of this church is the one who came up with the idea. He says, "John, you're our resident religious person. Uh, how do you feel about?" People saying that immigrant families coming to the United States are substantially the same as the Holy Family. Are you cool with that? Is that offensive to you? No, I, I feel like you know, if he's one, if he was made to be one of us, then oh. you know, he's this family is also one of us. So mm-hmm. I don't think there's an. I think there's equal playing ground here. How I feel, you know, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think he puts him. God puts himself like above. So I think, I, I, I have no problem with this. All right, with a display, good. you have no problem with a display. Uh, maybe the display could could trigger some people, but it doesn't trigger me personally. But I can understand them. Maybe the my fellow traditional people meaning the religious kind of getting a little uptight, but right. I have no problem with it. Thanks, John. He's very uncomfortable. I know. <laughs> oh, this story. Firefighters in San Diego have cut a smuggled Mexican woman and her 10-year-old daughter out of a car's trunk. Across the yeah, you know, the, 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 um, the lucrative nature of smuggling people across oh the border... Gosh. Results in situations like this. You have this convertible, uh, this Nissan 350. Isn't that the little, the Nissan 350, isn't that the little tiny sporty thing? Yeah, I think so. And they built a secret compartment into the back of this car, and they put this lady and her kid in there. And they come to the border, and a guy's driving who's an uh, American citizen, and the dogs detect something. So they take them over to secondary inspection. And, you know, it comes out that, hey, there's two people there. They can't open the compartment. The guy driving, he said, well, they told me how to open the compartment, but it's not working. 
And oh, so great. they had to slice into the car to get them out of there, and luckily they're okay. Yeah, the, by the way, you know, the, here's the, one of the problems with talking about uh, illegal immigration is you can't be reductive and just say illegal immigration is a thing. There's people who come here seeking asylum. There's people who come here on tourist visas who overstay their visas. There's people who on their own uh, sneak across the border. And then there's smuggling of people. And wherever you stand on this, even if you're a big immigrants' rights activist person, I would implore you to recognize that the part of it where it's a professional operation where you pay people to smuggle you, it is one of the most inhumane things that people do to other people. I mean, you, in this case, you have a mom and a daughter people wedged die, in a compartment. People die constantly. And when I was with the feds, we had cases all the time. They called them, forgive me, it's an, it can be considered an offensive term, but they called them clown houses. They were, they were these stash houses oh. where people who had paid to be brought over the court were held until their smuggling fees were paid off. And they were crammed into these little houses. They were treated poorly. They were guarded with weapons. Wow. Yeah. So that part of the story, everyone should agree, is thoroughly unacceptable. All right. uh, When we come back, we will finish up Handle on the News. It's KFI AM 640. KFI AM 640. Good morning. It's the Bill Handle Show. Fourth of July. Bill is off today. We're continuing Handle on the News. We're actually finishing it up now with Jennifer Jones Lee wearing patriotic garb. Yeah, my red, white, and blue flag sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, me, John Ramirez, and Alex. Well, Walmart's <laughs> in trouble again for an item of clothing that they uh, are selling. It's uh, adult and baby apparel that says impeach 45 and impeach Trump. And so obviously pro-Trump people are saying we're going to boycott Walmart. Now, once again, this is the third party seller problem. Although I haven't seen as many controversial issues with Amazon who also work with many third-party sellers, as with Walmart. Maybe Amazon has a better vetting procedure. Yeah, they've had a couple, but it seems like Walmart makes the news a whole lot more. Uh, so people are upset about this. Do you remember the, um, oh, they were, they were, it was stuff that said bulletproof, Black Lives Matter. Yeah. And again, it was a third-party seller, not yeah. Walmart directly, and the National Fraternal Order of Police said, hey, that's crazy, we don't like that. And then I'll never forget this, that a third party seller was able to get onto Walmart.com a shirt that says rope, tree, journalist, some assembly required. To their credit, when Walmart realizes what's going on, they generally pull this stuff. Now, this one's a little more interesting because it's not it's not per se offensive. It depends on your politics. For a lot of people, that's a perfectly wonderful message that they enjoy seeing impeach Trump. And it doesn't call for violence like the journalist thing. And it doesn't have a racial component on its face like the Black Lives Matter thing. So I don't know what they're going to do this time. I guess it may depend on how many 
Trump supporters actually stopped shopping at Walmart. Which, well, if they did, that would make a big difference. I don't. I don't but. think it's rude to suggest that uh, they have a lot of Trump supporters amongst their customers, right? Well, I think in a lot of areas where you had Trump supporters heading to the polls, a lot of in a lot of those places, Walmart is the only place to go. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's out of there. Maybe it's already out of there. You know what? At the break, I'll take a look and see if it's still online there. <laughs> the FAA. Wow, got a little snippy. We're a safety agency, not a creature comfort agency. Take me to the You just flew? Yeah. Was it tight on your plane? But who'd you fly? Which airline? Uh, this time I flew Delta. Delta, okay. It was it was okay. No, of course it's it's miserable. I mean, it's just you're so tight. The seats are very very small, and uh, Americans are getting bigger. Mm-hmm. And uh, this article is very upsetting uh, because the, some of the things they say to show how we're getting bigger. And one of the things they point out is the average weight of a U.S. woman these days is equal to that of an average man in the 60s. Not okay, people. Mm. Well, in any event, so they're shrinking the seats and everybody knows that. And, you know, there were there were lawsuits and even a judge ordered the FAA to look at whether they could regulate the size of seats as a safety issue based on the theory that if you're too crammed into the plane and you need to evacuate, that there could be a delay and therefore, it's a safety issue. And the FAA said no. And then a judge said, why don't you take another run at whether you should regulate it? And now they've said no. We've looked at it again. And we believe that even a very heavy person can get out of their seat in you know a couple of seconds in an emergency. And it's not enough of a problem that we can call it a safety issue. And I saw something this morning. And I've got to go back and vet it. But... Uh, there was some something that we were listening to that just caught my attention where they were saying that whatever the model was that was used to demonstrate whether or not these seats were too small, that everybody who happened to be participating in, I guess, whatever they were doing was small and fit and young and didn't reach for something in the overhead. Uh-huh. So, sure, if you're young and fit, you can bail out of a seat in a heartbeat. Right, and if everybody follows all the rules, because you're not supposed to try to take anything with you. Right, but how and, many? And yes, if you can count on every single person to absolutely follow the rules, you get a much faster evacuation time. But I, if you've ever seen people boarding a plane and they keep telling you, put your roller bag in the overhead and put your personal item under your seat, and here's every moron shoving their backpack into the overhead bin. And get out of the freaking aisle. Right. So, uh, my yeah, I mean, I don't fly that often. Oh, see, I'm on a plane every other weekend. Yeah, well, then you know better than anyone. It drives uh, me insane. Yeah. All right, well, anyway, the FAA is not going to help us with the tiny seats. Nope. And Barnes & Noble is not going to help their uh, chief executive that they just fired. Demos Planeros, he's only been on the job for like a year. And they've canned him with no severance pay. And... They fired the previous guy in uh, about two years ago. They fired that guy. Because Bar- here's the problem. Barnes & Noble, they think they can pull out of this tailspin that's happening, you know, thanks mostly to Amazon killing the brick-and-mortar book industry. And Barnes & Noble has never been able to step up their online game enough 
to compete. And I think maybe they keep hiring people who come in and go, I got a great turnaround plan. We're going to turn it around. And then the, the board gets impatient. Sure. Uh, or in the case of the new guy that they just fired, because they're not saying why, but they are saying it was not due to any disagreement regarding the financial reporting policies or practices or any potential fraud. Ooh. So I wonder, could, and I don't, look, I'm very aware of libel laws and slander laws. I'm just wondering if it could have been a misconduct, you know. When you're fired. Could have been a me too. Maybe. Because nobody is going to be a CEO and not have a severance package in their contract. I wouldn't think so. And also, even a, a company like Barnes & Noble, I would think they would give a guy more than a year. In yeah, terms of turning the turn company around. around. But, but I have no evidence of that at all. It could be any. It could be, honestly, it could be that, I don't know, they just didn't like him. Maybe he didn't reach a goal. Well, or... the last guy, when they fired him, they said he just wasn't a good fit. So maybe they're yeah. real persnickety over there. Maybe. I don't know. That is Handle on the News. Now, when we come back, the big headline is that affirmative action has been reversed, that the Trump administration has basically yanked affirmative action off the table for uh, schools. Is that really what happened? We'll get into it in a moment. It's a Bill Handel Show, KFI AM 640. Jennifer Jones-Lee has news right now. Goosebumps. I did Jennifer. too. That's beyond beautiful. It's just amazing. It doesn't matter what he sings. It's amazing. Well, and the organ work in yeah. there. It's just great. It's KFI AM 640. Bill Handel's show. Uh, happy 4th of July to everybody. I don't want to really hear today your thing about, oh, it's Imperialist Day. Oh, this is a country that was founded in so that people could keep their slaves, which, by the way, is partly true. They also, in the Declaration of Independence, talk about, and I might I might get a couple of the words wrong, but I'm not overstating it, uh, that the, uh, the King of England is allowing these savage Indians, uh, you know, to mess up our situation. Those things are all true. I don't deny the history of this country, but take a look around the world. Why don't you? I'm not even going to try to convince anybody that this is the best country on the planet. But we are uh, way up there. If we're not the best, we have one of the fairest, if not the fairest criminal justice system in the world. We have some of the most robust protections for freedom of speech anywhere in the world. We have some of the most robust civil rights protections I know the current administration is trying to roll it back. Da, 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 da. 
Um, what else? There's there's a lot of things about this country that are extremely good today compared to the rest of the world. So, you know. How about just the fact that if you don't like the president, you can bitch about him all day long if you want to? Because that's your right. Yeah. Go to China and go criticize their president. Can't do that there. Go to Thailand and criticize the uh, king of Thailand. Can't do that And see what happens. See what your prison cell looks like. So, you know, I'm not saying that there's nothing to uh, be upset about or that we couldn't improve or there aren't things that need fixing. And I'm certainly not saying that in the history of their country, there's a lot of bad stuff that happened. I am saying... If you open your eyes and look around the world, I think we fare very well. So I don't, I don't like it when it's uh, you th- today's used as an opportunity to just trash, 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 trash. All right. Speaking of trashing, has the Trump administration trashed affirmative action? Not really. You know, we were talking earlier, Jen, about uh, like, what does the country stand for? It depends on what party is in office. Yeah. And we keep flip flopping on big issues. Right. So during the George W. Bush administration, they put into place some um, guidelines. I don't know what else to really call them. Not laws, not anything that if you didn't follow it, that you were going to necessarily be in big trouble. But they basically said, hey, we would like to see, the word is strongly encourage, the use of race-neutral methods of deciding who gets into colleges and also uh, how kids are assigned to elementary school and secondary school. We'd like to really have race not be such a big deal. Then the Obama administration comes into power and they say, oh, we want race to be a very important part of the mix. Because we want a mix. Because it is inherently good for schools to have racial diversity. And now the Trump administration is saying we're going to go back to the George W. Bush approach. Uh, We're going to strongly encourage race neutral methods. And it's so this does not ban affirmative action. The Supreme Court has repeatedly upheld some amounts of affirmative action as being appropriate. Uh, I think that they may have been narrowing it down over the years. But they certainly have never said you are never allowed to consider race when you're deciding who to admit to your school. And so the administration strongly encourages it. Schools are still free to do pretty much what they want, subject to two caveats. One, I do guess the Justice Department could go after a school if they felt that they were considering race to such an extent that it was actually discriminating against other races. So I suppose you could find yourself looking at a Justice Department investigation and maybe even a a threat to withhold federal education funds for your school. And, of course, the other caveat, which has always been the case, is a lawsuit that that somebody's going to sue you because they feel like they were discriminated against. And, in fact, kind of the the contemporary affirmative action law was uh, this woman named Fisher sued UT Austin. She's white. And she said, I couldn't get in because they had a, a system where they would let in so many minorities Not by comparing those students to the rest of the people applying, but comparing them to their own class. 
So if you were in the top 10% of your class and you were a minority, you got priority to get into UT Austin. Well, she sued. And the Supreme Court said, well, you know, uh, no, it's okay. It's okay to use race in order to increase the diversity of schools. Now, and this is what might be sort of new about it, is uh, the affirmative action backlash has typically been white students suing. Now, Asian American students are suing Harvard. They're saying, oh, we can't get into Harvard because Harvard is basically setting aside slots for students of other races. And they, you know, they want this to get to the Supreme Court. It'd be interesting to see if it does. Uh, and that may be kind of, ch- I wonder if it changes some people's ideas about affirmative action when, oh, what if it doesn't just hurt white people? So that's what's really going on. And I guess the only way to know how it plays out is to see what schools do and then whether or not Jeff Sessions Justice Department decides to go after schools based on the idea that they're hurting white students with whatever affirmative action programs that they're running, which, uh, to be fair, it does sound like something he would do. But the Trump administration has not made affirmative action illegal. All right, when we come back, speaking of changing things, this big call to get rid of ICE. What's behind it? What's interesting is there are two kinds of people who want to get rid of ICE, and those two kinds of people do not agree with each other at all, even though they're both saying kind of the same thing. We'll get into it as we continue here. Bill Handel Show, KFI AM 640. Jennifer Jones-Lee. You have some- it's a man on the moon and fireflies in June and kids selling. By AM 640, Bill Handel Show on the 4th of July. Bill is off today. Is Joey Chestnut going to win again? Yes. I talked to him. Oh, is it already Friday. over? No. It starts at uh, 10. Yeah, I didn't think they do it that time. early. No, I talked to him on um, Friday, though, and I asked uh-huh. him, I said, so how do you prepare? What do you, what do, you do? So he says he eats... Like 70 plus hot dogs one day. Uh-huh. And then he fasts. He he waits until his body recovers, as he puts it. Right. For like three days. And then he does it again. Oh, my. So he does this like two or three times in a row in preparation. And then I asked him, <laughs> I said, I know this is really gross, but I have to ask. Somebody's bound to throw up. What happens oh, yeah. if you throw up? And he goes, oh, if you heave, you leave. <laughs> There's a motto. Yeah. <laughs> He's the LeBron James of eating too many hot dogs. And he's a California kid. He's from San Jose. Yeah. So we got to cheer him on. Are, so we are rooting for him? Sure. Is Kobayashi in it this year? Uh, no. I think it's the uh, the other guy. Um, Miko hmm, something. Well, no, anyway, I don't think. If, if the results come in before the show is over, please break in. Oh, I will. All right. Uh, <laughs> abolish ice. This is the hue and cry, and uh, what's interesting to me about this abolishing ICE movement is, depending on which abolish ICE person you ask, they either have a very specific idea about what that means and what they want to see happen, or they they haven't thought about it beyond saying abolish ICE. 
because there are two kinds of people that want to, quote, abolish ICE. And these two kinds of people have nothing in common. The first kind of people are uh, people who work for the Department of Homeland Security. But when they say let's abolish ICE, they don't mean let's not have any immigration enforcement or anything. They would like to see a restructuring. Because here's what's happening. Uh, And this is all a post 9-11 sort of problem, right? When you took all these agencies and you put them all under the umbrella of Homeland Security and different agencies were created. So under this umbrella, you've got the... uh, The ERO, the Enforcement Removal Operations Section, and those are the people who go around and get people and kick them out. But you've also got HSI, Homeland Security Investigations. They don't do that. What they do, and I don't know who has a problem with this, they investigate transnational crime. Big time, terrible, terrible criminal organizations that operate across borders all over the world. And that impact us here at home. And apparently what is happening is the HSI people are getting a raft of crap from citizens and from other law enforcement agencies who are conflating what they do with what the enforcement and removal operations people do. In other words, you're an HSI guy and you're what you're looking into is like an international fentanyl manufacturing and smuggling scheme or an international sex trafficking ring. And you will find yourself not getting help from anybody because they think, oh, you're the people who you run around and arrest a guy, you know, when he dropped his daughter off at school. So those people are saying, let's figure out a way to reorganize this whole thing so that it's really clear that we don't have anything to do with the other by eliminating the common umbrella that we both operate under. So that's one view of it. Now, on the other side of it are the immigration activists who want to abolish ICE. And I don't think there's really any way around the fact that what they want is literally no enforcement of immigration laws. It's like when people say, get rid of the IRS. And you say, well, you mean nobody has to pay taxes? And like, well, I'm not saying nobody has to pay taxes. Oh, well, what how, What if somebody doesn't pay their taxes? What's going to happen? Well, I don't know. I just don't want there to be an IRS. And it's the same thing here. And because this is the real dilemma that we're in. And I'm not a super, I'm not like, you know, lock the borders now and shoot tranquilizer darts at anybody that we see trying to come across the border, right? And then when they fall asleep, pick them up and drag them back across the border and don't let anybody in legally anymore. I'm not like that. But if you were told that if somebody can get into your house, you have to let them stay. You have to you have to pay for them to have an attorney to fight you kicking them out of your house. And while they're in your house, you have to feed and clothe them. You would say, 
Well, then I think the thing to do is to put more locks on my doors and bars on my window. And it's not a perfect analogy, but we do know that once a person is on American soil, however they got here, they have a bunch of rights. And I'm, I'm okay with that idea. You know, we're a country of a constitution and people have rights. And the courts have ruled repeatedly that it doesn't matter if you're here legally or illegally. Okay. So here's what I'm hearing from the abolish ICE people. It is immoral and disgraceful to separate children from their parents. But I'm also hearing that it is immoral and disgraceful to keep families detained together. And it is immoral and disgraceful to want to build a wall on the border to try to stop that situation where you have a family and now how do you handle it to stop that from happening in the first place. That is also immoral and disgraceful. And it would be like somebody telling you that it's immoral and disgraceful to put uh, an extra lock on your door and a bar on your window. And I'm not here to debate whether it is or not. You know, I mean, people feel differently about it, but it does seem to mean that the end game is that it is inherently immoral and disgraceful to have immigration laws and or enforce them. And so abolish ICE for most of the people using that phrase really does seem to mean abolish any rules at all. Now, you may think that that is a good idea. But let's at least be honest about, like, let's go right to the end game. When you say abolish ICE, really people should just say abolish immigration rules. Uh, Alex, can you change the uh, that TV channel that's showing that horrible um, mistreated animal ad again? Because I really can't look at that right now. I was in Robin's office yesterday. I can't. I, we were I, talking. She it, goes, hold on. I have to change the channel. Yeah, I cannot watch them ever. Uh, uh, when we come back, Trump. Tariffs. Terrible. This is KFI AM640. Jennifer Jones. It's the Bill Handel Show on a 4th of July. Bill is off today. He'll be back tomorrow. And uh, let's get right into this. Trump tariffs big in the news. What's up with tariffs? Are they great or do they stink? Well, they're weird. I don't know if I'm prepared to say that they're great or that they completely stink. But boy, are they a weird thing to do. Everybody's familiar with sanctions. Uh, we have been imposing sanctions against other countries for quite some time. And and sanctions are clearly, uh, we're punishing you because we don't like what you're doing. We have had sanctions against Cuba. We had sanctions for decades against Cuba. We thought if we really make it hard for the Cuban government to operate, and if we cause shortages of basic stuff, that the people will get tired of it and they will rise up against the communist government of Cuba, and it never really happened. We have had sanctions against Iran since, uh, I think, the revolution in 1979. We almost immediately started 
with sanctions against them. We have a long history of doing this. The embargo of 1807. You know, even after we declared our independence, one of the things that the founding fathers were upset about, amongst many grievances they had, was that the Brits would capture uh American citizens, I guess they weren't at the time American citizens, but you know what I'm saying, people from the colonies and so forth, they would capture them around the world and then make them fight their wars. So we didn't like that very much, and then we declared our independence, but then still, even in 1807, this was still happening, because you would have a merchant ship, a U.S. merchant ship, and it would dock in a foreign port, And then the British and the French apparently did this as well. They would grab Americans off of these vessels and then they would make them fight their wars in Europe. And so Thomas Jefferson presided over this embargo of 1807. It said U.S. ships cannot do any trading in foreign ports because we don't want you guys to do it. And this is how we punish you economically. Well, the latest round of tariffs seems to have its genesis in uh, President Trump being very upset with China over two things. One is China's unfair practices, which is 100% true. You know, Chinese goods are cheaper, but they're not cheaper only because the Chinese have figured out how to make things less expensively or more efficiently. They're also cheaper because the government subsidizes some of their industries. So if you're if you're making steel in China, you get help from the government. Big help. So obviously your your steel can be sold more cheaply because you as the manufacturer, you don't have to spend as much to make it. But the other thing that Trump was upset about is the trade deficit. Now here's the thing, the way I see it, trade deficits are not a bad thing. They're not a problem. If you are running a trade deficit with another country, it simply means you're buying more stuff from them than you're selling to them. And the only reason that that happens is because it's cheaper. And so we get something for that so-called deficit. It's not it's not like that's a country just coming over here and stealing money from us. That's a company giving us things we want under a more economically advantageous circumstance than if we bought it here. And sometimes it, it, it can be a black eye against us. In other words, we have a big trade deficit because over here we make it too expensive or difficult to produce goods or provide services. And other times, as with China, it can be the result of the other country cheating in order to undercut the cost. But the fact of the trade deficit itself really isn't something to get that upset about. And so we impose sanctions on other countries. Now we're imposing tariffs. And, oh, it kind of seems like it's another way of sanctioning the other country. Tariffs really are, we're sanctioning ourselves with tariffs. Tariffs almost never come without a cost to jobs. Or a loss of businesses, you know, in the whole Harley Davidson recently where they said, all right, all these tariffs are going on. We're putting a tariff on imported steel. 
So if we're making an aluminum, if we're making motorcycles here in America, it's going to cost us more to make motorcycles. And then in retaliation for that, the European Union's putting a tariff on the motorcycles that we send over there. So we're not only not only is it more expensive for us to make the motorcycle, but now we are less competitive trying to sell the motorcycle over in Europe because the cost over there is artificially inflated because of their retaliatory tariff. So we're getting screwed from both ends. And they said, we're going to move some of our production over there because guess what? We won't have to pay the tariff on the steel to make it. And we won't have to pay the tariff when we sell it. And it's the only way we can be competitive in that marketplace. And that means a loss of jobs here. There's a group called the coalition for a prosperous America. They like tariffs they are pro tariff and even they say that the tariffs imposed by president trump are going to cost a significant number of american jobs they're not saying it because they're trying to get you to not like tariffs they want you to like tariffs but even they are admitting this is what's going to happen and so i don't think that uh this is really the smart way to go now you can throw up your hands, and I understand it, and say, well, how the hell do we ever rein in China? And I think the only way that you could really rein in China without hurting ourselves is to see if we can get the rest of the world to agree with us that it's bad, and then you get targeted sanctions against China, and then you say, well, the rest of the world doesn't care. And I guess the end game of that argument is, well, then I guess we're just going to have to deal with the fact that China is a cheater and a currency manipulator, and we're going to have to find a different battle to fight. Because with these tariffs, really, truly, if, if sanctions are meant to try to shoot the other country in the foot, tariffs really are us shooting ourselves in our own feet. Uh, when we come back, how close are we to truly self-driving cars? Auto companies are saying, oh, they're right around the corner. Tesla, GM, they're all saying right around the corner, a car with no steering wheel even because you won't need it. But are we really that close? Oh, 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 hell no, we are not at all. Because there's one tiny, teensy little problem that nobody wants to talk about. And we'll get into it when we come back. It's the Bill Handel Show, KFI AM 640. Don't want to be an American idiot. Don't want a nation KFI AM640 Bill Handel Show. He's off today. Observation number one, that was a rough edit right there. Number two, what is with your seditious choice of music today, John? Do you hate America, John? No, I just I don't want to be an American idiot. It's Green Day. No. <laughs> I, I'm taking this not the simple yeah, the simple approach. The simpleton approach. <laughs> Oh, it has America in the just, title. That's Play what it. I was going to say, just because it has America in the title doesn't mean it's I'm, I'm it's waiting for him to find some song that's like, murder all Americans because they are the worst. <laughs> in fact, you know what? Why don't you Why don't you just do it? Next next <laughs> out of the 8 o'clock, why don't you find uh, get David my, Bowie's I'm Afraid of Americans I, and play that. I, I have that queued up. And that's, then that's, uh, I forgot who did it. Kim Is it Kim Wilde, The Kids in America? Yes, which is not a very that. complimentary... No. 
Yes. That was on. But that was on Jimmy Neutron, though. No. Oh, no. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I don't understand. There are songs that are clearly, purely uh, patriotic, and those are the songs. Like, that oh, I don't know. I'm proud to be an American. Well, that I don't think anyone could question uh, that song's patriotic bona fides. But, but Jim, there's instrumental music that could be played. There's the national anthem. There's God Bless, God America. bless America. My Although country. Oh, isn't that based on a British uh, tune? Yeah, that, that one, one might be. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I guess it's harder. It's harder. It's harder than you thought to find an entire show's worth of truly patriotic music, isn't it? I, I, I don't know. What, I, I, but not as hard <laughs> as it's going to be to ever make a truly self-driving car. Now, if you listen to, for example, Elon Musk, uh, about three years ago, he said there would be a completely autonomous Tesla by 2018. What year is it right now? Mm, I think it's 2018. Yeah, we're about half done, right? Yeah. Mm, no. Google said there would be. Uh, there's this company called Mobileye. They have something they're calling their level four system. It's supposed to be a, a completely self-driving car that doesn't require any intervention. They say next year we're going to have it. And uh, that's the same year next year that this company called Newtonomy says they are going to put thousands of taxis on the streets of Singapore with no drivers inside of them. GM says they're going to start producing a fully autonomous car next year. It will have no steering wheel or any way for you to intervene. Now, the idea of a car where you cannot intervene, as a concept, I get it. Because the idea is the technology will be way better at safe driving than any human being could possibly be. In fact... The whole fully autonomous car thing is really a rebuke uh, of humanity. The entire concept of it is we are too dumb, distracted to drive safely and that we must have computers do it for us. Now, look, the, the one part of that, we're too dumb and distracted to drive safely. That seems to be true and borne out every day on the roads. At least when I drive around. Here's the problem. The technology is nowhere near what it needs to be. It's not that we mostly have it. We're 99% of the way there. And there's just a couple of I's to dot and T's to cross. And then the AI will be, you know, perfection. Oh, no, 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 no. Because here's the problem. There's only a couple of ways to do this. And one of them is the old-fashioned rule-based way of developing the software. You basically have to code in a rule for every situation. Well, you know when driving around, no matter how long you have been driving, things happen that you are not expecting. There are weird things in the road that aren't supposed to be in the road. There's different stuff by the side of the road. Road conditions change suddenly. Hey, this road has nice stripes down the middle of it. Oh, this part's all screwed up. So they've been using machine learning instead. And uh, with machine learning, what's great about it is if you feed the computer algorithm enough data, the idea is eventually it will be able to react to anything. Here's the problem. There's no such thing right now as any AI that can react to anything. 
Remember chatbots? Remember when they started coming out with chatbots and it was like, go online and talk to this chatbot. You will be amazed at how eerily lifelike it is. No, that's false. Chatbots stink. Even today, chatbots are garbage. And, uh, you know, Google Images, they have this thing where you can upload an image and it'll tell you what it is. It's pretty good. And thank goodness when you're just uploading an image of an animal and going, what the hell kind of animal is this? There's nobody's life is at stake. So it's not that big of a deal if it gets it wrong. But it still has tons of problems. Because you would have to feed it, I don't know, several million images of an ocelot. Before you could really be sure that 99.9% of the time that you showed it a picture of an ocelot, that it would say, oh, yeah, that's an ocelot. And even today with Google Image, sometimes like they'll, they'll use a video of a, of a polar bear. And depending on which frame of the video it's analyzing, it might say it's a polar bear. It might say it's a baboon, a mongoose, a weasel. God knows what. Well, the same thing is happening with these cars. And these crashes that we've been hearing about all seem to have a fairly common factor. And that is something happened that the software didn't know how to deal with because it was unexpected. That crash in 2016 where a Tesla crashed and somebody died and it was because there was this big tractor trailer in front of it and the back was entirely white and the software said, we don't really know what's going on and accelerated right into it. The woman pushing her bicycle in Arizona who popped out and they they reverse engineered what the software was doing when that happened. And apparently the software, this was an Uber self-driving car. First, it said, I don't know what that is. Then it said, oh, that's a car. Then it said, oh, that's a bicycle. And so. It's fun to say that we're too stupid or whatever to drive safely. But right now, the state of the software, it's also too stupid to drive safely. And it's going to be a long time before it's not. When we come back, court packing. What is it? Do we want it? And by the way, while um, if you were wondering what we were laughing about while you were on the air, if you looked through the glass, uh, I've been sending John Link's. Mm-hmm. That are links that say songs that seem American but are actually anti-American. Oh, okay. You're trying to prophylactically prevent My, a repeat of, of uh, "Born in the USA." The he had two of the ten uh, already loaded. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> uh, hey, when we come back, let's talk about packing the courts. Some people would like to just pack them up in boxes and move them out, but that's not what it means. This is KFI AM six forty. Jennifer Jones Lee has news right now. America. America, God shed his grace on thee. There we go. And crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. KFI AM 640. It's the Bill Handel Show on a 4th of July. Bill's off today. He'll be back tomorrow. And a lot of people are starting to talk about court packing. This is not a stunt that kids are doing on YouTube. 
It's a way to try to control the judicial destiny of the country. And it basically means changing the number of Supreme Court justices. Often increasing the number is the idea, but sometimes the idea is to unpack the court and reduce the number of justices. Because there's nothing in the Constitution that says the Supreme Court has to have nine justices. There's nothing there. It doesn't have to be nine. It's currently nine. It hasn't always been nine. And if the history of this country is any indication, uh, someday it won't be nine again. Maybe. It looks like we stopped uh, doing this a few decades ago. Court packing. What is it and how to do it? Well, how to do it is you have to have, obviously, the majority party in Congress want to do it. So the reason that people are talking about court packing now is that Anthony Kennedy announced his retirement. People are very concerned what's going to happen to things like uh, abortion rights or LGBT protections because he was the swing vote. You know, I mean, if without him, you might not have had gay marriage in this country, for example. And of course, we now have Republican controlled Congress and a Republican president. And, you know, if he puts a, a very hardline conservative justice on the court, then the laws are going to be decided in a particular way for quite a long time until somebody else passes away or steps down. So court packing, the idea and Democrats right now are the ones who are like this is we should have 11, maybe 15, maybe 20, maybe 30 Supreme Court justices. And that way, somehow, uh, no judicial philosophy would ever be controlling. Although I think really in the case of the Democrats right now, it's not that they want no judicial philosophy to control. It's that they would like their judicial philosophy to control because one of the terrible things that did happen in this country is that the Supreme Court became almost entirely political. Think about this. The law. Now, it's not math. I understand that. It's not science. But it's still supposed to be a thing where there's a right answer or there's the, the closest to a right answer to every legal question. And yet, isn't it interesting that you can predict with great certainty how a Clarence Thomas is going to vote every time and also how a Ruth Bader Ginsburg is going to vote every time. And that would be really weird to me if it was in any other context. Like if you went to doctors and you had conservative doctors and liberal doctors and you went and said, my leg hurts and they took x-rays and they give you, they, you know, poked you. They said, lift your leg this way, lift your leg that way. And then all the conservative doctors said, uh, you have a broken femur and all of the liberal doctors said, you just pulled your calf muscle. Wouldn't that be weird? And wouldn't it be weird if every time your leg hurt, you already knew what the doctor's diagnosis was going to be? That's crazy. So how do they defend themselves? Do they say it's like Bible study and everybody reads it differently? Everybody has their own interpretation well, of the law? I mean, that's part of it. But the fact of the matter is that for so long, Supreme Court justices have been picked based on their political ideologies. Or if you want to say quasi-political ideologies, which is to say how they seem to have politicized 
their view of the law. That's why. Because basically everybody on there has an agenda. I mean, Kennedy, God bless him, he was a guy, he was maybe the least agenda guy on the court right now. Followed by maybe Gorsuch, who's turning out not to be as hardline conservative as people thought. But the the point is, it shouldn't be that way. And that's why every time that there's an opening on the court, it is a 100% political thing. So, court packing. This has happened a lot in the history of this country. If you thought that, you know, it's nine justices and it's always been nine justices. Oh, no, 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 no. 1801, right before the inauguration of Thomas Jefferson, uh, the party in power was the Federalist Party, and they passed this Judiciary Act of 1801. There were six on the Supreme Court. They said it'll be five. Basically, the next one that resigns or dies, we're not going to replace them, i.e. a new administration won't have the opportunity. And then the next year, they repealed the law. Jefferson you know, became president, and they repealed the law, and it went back to six members. And then five years later, they said, let's have seven members. And that was more administrative. He had new judicial circuits cropping up and so they were like we need to have seven judges now because we have too many um circuit courts 1837 that's when it went to nine 1863 10 that was the civil war that was lincoln wanting to get another kind of pro lincoln thinking person on the court And then uh, in 1866, Andrew Johnson's president and Congress says, we're not going to allow you to fill any vacancies until we're back down to eight. 1869, they put it back to nine. It's been nine ever since. Um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt wanted to uh, put up to 15 members on the court because, because when he had the New Deal, his stuff was getting knocked down by that Supreme Court, right and left. Do you know that uh, when Roosevelt was president, the Supreme Court said it is uh, it is totally cool. I'm sorry. They said it is unconstitutional to have a law banning child labor. Yeah. So in any event, that's the situation. That's why people want to do this so-called court packing. You know who else likes to engage in court packing? Dictatorships. They love it. Hugo Chavez, Venezuela, 2004. He expands the Supreme Court there from 20 members to 32 and filled it up with people who were loyal to him. Argentina did it a couple of times. They did it in Hungary. This uh, Victor Orban guy. Uh, He did the same thing. He packed the judge with uh, sort of totalitarian friendly people. So that's the biggest argument against court packing of any kind, which is that's really what dictators like to do. Although we did it a lot in the early days of this country. And I don't think anybody thought it was a dictatorship at the time. When we come back, oh, Jen, you have to stay for this because you have the doggos. Yes. And today's big fireworks day. Oh, yes. And the huge problem of dogs freaking out, running away, or just being really, really stressed out. We'll talk about some of the things that can work to help your doggo and also why this is a legitimate medical reaction when the dogs freak out. I want you to check out my Twitter during the break, at JJLKFI. 
Everybody posted, check it out. I posted a picture of what happened to my dog last night oh, with some goodness. pre-fireworks. Yeah. All right, we'll talk about that when we come back. It's KFI AM640. You've got some news right KFI AM 640. It's the Bill Handel Show on a 4th of July. Bill is off today. Quick check with Jennifer Jones-Lee. Any update on the Nathan's hot dog situation? Should start at 930. Fantastic. Uh, Well, then it should be over. By the time we're done. Oh, yeah. Yeah. and let's talk a little bit about the problem of fireworks and dogs. Uh, I think everybody sort of understands that dogs hate fireworks. And before we talk about like what you can do, by the way, I looked at the your Twitter, and that is very upsetting. Isn't that sad? Uh, dogs really are traumatized, and it's not like it's all in your head. Well, it is all in their head in the sense that it's in their brain. When dogs hear these sudden loud sounds, and not every dog is completely freaked out by them, but what happens is uh, there's a big release of adrenaline and cortisol, the stress hormone, and it actually causes certain parts of their brain to change. That makes sense. Including the amygdala, which is your like fear center. Uh, and that's why so many dogs freak out so much. And it's a huge problem every year, uh, especially if the dog can get out. So many dogs run away around this time of year. The shelters get completely slammed. And uh, I know when I volunteered over here at the Burbank shelter every year, there was a big drive to have people take the dogs that were in there already. Yeah. You know, the longer term residents, take them out and foster them for a few days to make room for all the dogs they were going to pick up on the street who would run away from the fireworks. That makes sense. There were a whole bunch of shelters around that were offering even free adoptions for like three days leading up to the 4th of July. Same thing because they knew that they would be overcrowded right. on they, July 5th. They need the space for the, for the, and these are, you know, luckily these are more short terms. The dog runs away, shows up a couple of days later. The owner hopefully, you know, comes and gets the dog. The dog's out of there. So what works now? There's a lot of things that have been tried. Uh, some of them, I'm sorry to laugh at, but essential oils, herbs, homeopathic, quote, remedies. Uh, Even when you ask dog owners, because dog owners often very much, they think that something helps. There's no medical proof that it's helping, but they think that does, which is fine. But even when you ask dog owners about those things, only about 30% say that it helps at all. We have a lavender scented like um, nightlight. You know, you have like the nightlight warmers or whatever that... They, so it sends out a lavender scent all through that. Nope. It no, was on no. last night. Um, nope. There's this uh, system called counter conditioning where you actually on purpose over time expose your dog to sudden loud noises along with something positive. So you might have treats, right? Okay. And then like you give the dog a treat and go. And the idea is to change the way that they react. The, uh, pet owners said that was maybe. 50 50 that it helped it's also a long process and then they have these things called the thunder shirt 
And uh, do you use do you have thunder shirt no, for Daisy? Or? I asked this morning. I asked Julie Bang from Pasadena Humane. She says they're amazing. And I had a few people tweet me. Be sure to go get one for Scarlett tonight because they said that their dogs loved them and did really well with them. Yeah, it's actually based on research uh, with humans, especially people with autism. And it's been noted repeatedly that this kind of like a hug, basically like swaddling, replicating or, uh, a oh, wow. hug can really help with the anxiety. And so here comes the Thunder shirts. I guess there's two kinds there's a kind where all of the fabric is uh, compressible. Okay. And then there's another kind that it, it the fabric's not compressible, but it has straps. And it's the difference between like an all-over hug or targeting certain parts of the dog's body for the, for the pressure. And they say that, you know, it works. Now, again, it, it doesn't work for every dog, but there's at least one scientific study that they did in the Journal of Veterinary Behavior, and uh, there were only 18 doggos in this study, so it's a small group. And they said 89% of the dog owners said it did help, these compression shirts. And now, of course, just as the research started with humans, and then it turned into thunder shirts for dogs, and now the same idea is coming back to us with this new trend of the weighted uh, blankets. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. They sell these weighted blankets, yeah, 10 pounds, 15, 25. The idea is sleeping under that also is calming of the anxiety. So that's that's possibly your best bet. The, the good thing about, oh, the other thing is medication. Yeah. Anti-anxiety, which can work except there's side effects. Yeah. That's why the we great do thing it. about the Thunder shirt is worst case scenario. Your dog's annoyed when you try to put it on him. <laughs> That's it. And I guess that maybe it doesn't work as you might hope. But there's no sight. You don't have to worry about your dog getting sick, vomiting, or whatever because you put a thunder shirt on. Uh, what would be better, honestly, if people just didn't set off fireworks in neighborhoods? Well, and I think the worst part is, is it's been days leading up to, yep. and then people set them off days after. People are easily amused. And it's like they're not thinking. And you know what, too? There's actually this. And I put this on Twitter, too, at JJLKFI. There's a guy who's going around Southern California who is telling people, hey, if you're a combat veteran whose PTSD is sparked by fireworks, please let me put this sign in your yard that just basically says, hey, please be courteous to your neighbors. He is a combat veteran. Right. And it's just people just need to think about just because you're amused you might be seriously impacting your neighbors. No, the thing with too many people is it is my own amusement above any other consideration. And it's my right. And Yeah. Uh, all right. When we come back, handle on the news, late edition. It's KFI AM 640. Jennifer Jones Lee. Handle on the news. Late edition. Handle on the news. And now. Fourth of July. Bill will be back tomorrow. It is time for Handle on the News Late Edition with Jennifer Jones Lee and me and Alex and John. Lead story. Yeah, there's a wrinkle in the plans to rescue the Thai soccer team out of that cave, and that is heavy, heavy rains are coming. 
It's the last thing they need. Because they've got these options. Okay, they say we could, there's the diving option where we send divers down. They equip these guys with essentially scuba gear and then they um, sort of guide them out one by one. Okay, well, problem there is the kids can't swim. I mean, granted, they'd help them, but still. But then secondly, they say, okay, or we wait. We wait for the water to go down. Well, the problem is the water has to go up before it can come down. Right. That could that could be months of waiting for the the rains to come yeah. and the water to and then I mean they can pump the water out but they can't start pumping until after the rains have come and flooded it more. And then the third option, which it seems like almost everybody over there is saying that's probably not going to happen, and that's drill some kind of new path out of there. And so it looks like maybe the diving option is the one that they're going to have to pursue. You know what I'm thinking? I don't know that they need to know how to swim. Because if they're tethered to somebody I think or they're tethered. Yeah, I think they would be tethered and there'd be a dive line. They would just have to be able to get comfortable that they are underwater, but they can still breathe. Is there a way and for them they, to like get in the water and back out? You know what I mean? Like, well, there are parts of the... It? They're, oh, I see. Uh, I... Like to, to teach them, how would they I think teach so? Them? Yeah, because there are different parts under there where they would be underwater, but there are other parts where obviously where they are now, where there's airspace. So yeah, I think they can. So the fact that they don't know how to swim might not be uh, the biggest problem. I think the biggest problem is the parts of the exit path that are too narrow yeah. for a diver to be right there with them when they go through. They have to like send them through. Certain parts completely on their own. This this is a terrifying thought to me. This the whole thing. Yeah. Trapped in a cave and it's wet and it's dark. Oh my goodness. And imagine you're the parents. So the elation that you had when they said, we found your kids and they're alive and, and great. And then, oh, now we don't know how to get them out. Or it could be September before we're able to get them out if we use one method. Yeah. Uh, speaking of getting people out. Oh, man. Some man- mandatory evacuation orders lifted, but then others expanded in that county fire, the one in Yolo County. They have managed to bump up the containment percentage, right? Yeah, because Because I remember five. when it was like 2%, yeah. 3%. And what is it up to now? 15. Yeah. All right. So they're slowly getting a handle on it. Is it one of those things where... Like, they're confident they're going to knock it down. It's just going to take a very long time. Or is it one of those fires where they're worried that it could whip completely out of control again? Well, I think they're worried because of the weather conditions over the weekend. So while it's not expected to be as hot as it is in Southern California and Northern California, there's it's still going to be hot up there. So and, that's yeah, always a consideration. And dry. Yeah. And, uh... All right. Well, uh, while that's going on up in Sacramento, those dummies are uh, setting up a committee... To look at the possibility of making it harder to sue the utilities when they cause these wildfires. I swear to whatever you swear to that everybody up in the legislature in Sacramento is under a psychotic delusion that that they are in the middle of one never ending opposite day. Could be. Every idea they have sucks. Every single one. I'm going to go with you on this. Yep. And it's also, here's the thing. They managed to transcend their own ideologies in sucking. Because you would think as liberal as they are up there, 
that one thing they wouldn't want to do is let big companies off the hook. Right. 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 No, apparently they do. I get being wrong is more important to them than being consistent. It's bad news. Now, it's just a committee to look into it. So maybe like a lot of things, hopefully the other part of what goes on up there will kick in, which is sometimes they can't get anything done. Well, there's that. Yeah. Uh, Americans are going to spend a little less on the 4th of July this year. And there's a reason. Wait, there's a reason? Because it falls on a Wednesday. Oh, right. Not as many people are having the big cookouts and so forth. I got to party it up as much, I guess, as normal. And uh, so (laughs) people are like they don't have the big, long four day weekend. Uh, Some people. It's funny because you had some people who decided they were going to take last weekend as the lead up to the 4th of July. So they took Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Other people are like, no, no, we're going to start today and do Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And so I thought that would mean that there would be a difference in travel patterns. I thought, oh, it'll be better because it won't be all one weekend based. No, it's worse this year at LAX than it's ever been. Also, I think this headline's misleading when it says Americans will spend less in the aggregate. Right. Right. Less will be spent. But apparently the per person food cost is up. They'll be spending more per person who's scarfing down the barbecue, but fewer people will be scarfing down the barbecue. Seventy five dollars and fifty three cents average person spending for the food. That's got to include alcohol, right? It It has has to. to. Is everybody never... making foie gras burgers? What's going on? I was like, man, these are the, the swankiest, you know, barbecues I've ever been to or never been to, actually. You want to every... know how, how alcoholic of a country this is? Yeah. I heard a piece about the, the whole point of this news piece was, oh, there are people who are bummed out because they can't party on the 4th of July because they have to work the next day. And they interviewed like a long haul trucker who had to get up at 4 a.m. And I was like, wait, that means you can't go to a parade. That means you can't stay up to watch any fireworks. It means you can't have a hamburger or a hot dog. Fairly not without having a beer in one hand. I guess not. Uh, All right. No, this is what you were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Here's the guy, the Marine veteran who has made these lawn signs to help his fellow vets. Indoor fireworks. He he admits he's this former Marine Master Sergeant and says sounds bother me because I don't like loud noises. He said, I'm still paranoid if I hear like a loud bang or something like that. Sometimes I'll duck or I'll just quickly look around to see where it's come from. So he's put up these red, white and blue signs that say combat veteran lives here. Please be courteous with fireworks. And I think it's one thing if veterans go, "Okay, you know what? It's the night of the 4th of July. I can put it in my brain to expect these things. Mm -hmm. This is going to happen all night or whatever. Okay, fine. That makes sense. But it's when they go off. Somebody just tweeted me that there are fireworks going off in her city this morning. Yeah. That's the kind of thing. Come on, guys. And they're running out of these signs. They're, 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 there's so much need for them that they can't even make enough. Yeah. All right. Now let's take a break. When we come back, we will continue with Handle on the News Late Edition. This is KFI AM 640. It's a Bill Handel show on a July 4th. Yes, we heard that iHeart Radio thing. We heard it. 
<laughs> we heard what they did. It was not lost on us. No. Uh, we are continuing Handle on the News, late edition. Jennifer Jones, Lee, and me, and Alex, and John. And R.I.P. Duke. I like it's actually R.I.P. Sam, who played Duke. Yes, Duke was the character that Sam, the actor dog, portrayed for the Bush's Baked Beans Company. Although he was not the only dog actor to be. It's kind of like what they're doing with the Colonel now. Yeah, which and is sort not of okay, like that. They had different Dukes over the years, but yeah. Sam did pass away. Yeah, he hasn't been Duke for many, many years. But I bet he went to the grave with that secret. Bush's recipe. Just saying. Ah, uh, he could have wrote it down before he went. I'm no, hoping we'll never he know. <laughs> oh, this story. So, a 92-year-old woman has been arrested for killing her 72-year-old son because she thought that he was going to put her in a nursing home. You couldn't think of anything? Is well, that what happened, John? Well, uh, I thought it was a sad story, so I had like instrumental sad music. That's fine. Bring it up. Oh, okay. Because you were sounding hyped, like you were excited. Well, I mean, I'm sorry. It's one it, of those. Sto- I mean, it's a murder, but it, there's something darkly comical underneath it. And if you saw the woman's mugshot, it's slightly comical as well. Yeah. Anna May Blessing is her name. This happened in Fountain Hills, Arizona. And apparently, uh,. Determining that her son was going to put her in a home, she got two pistols and hid them in the pockets of her robe. Oh. Went to her son's bedroom, confronted him, took out one of the guns, shot him, killed him, pointed the gun at his girlfriend. There was a struggle over the gun. It fell out of her hand. She pulled out the second gun. Another struggle. Lost control of that one as well. And then uh, Maricopa County Sheriff's came, took her to jail. So that happened. And if I may point out, where did it not happen? Florida. Oh. Didn't happen in Florida. Wow. Uh-huh. Uh, then there's a guy who's going to jail for a really long time over... An overdue movie rental. I don't think he's going to jail for a really long time, but he could, he could. get a warrant issued for his arrest for not returning. Of all the movies, I, that's what I thought. Well, there's but I, there, there's a story behind it. But of all the movies not to return, Ted. I mean, you watch that once, you need to take it back. It's done. One well, and done. but what happened is he rented it and he forgot to take it back, and then he lost his home. He became homeless. And he just threw everything he had in a box, including Ted. And, you know, you can imagine you lose your home, then you're not going to, it's not going to be top of mind to return a video. So now uh, he owes $218.07. But here's what's corrupt about the whole thing. The store gets $19 for the movie and $25 for lost rental profit. The DA gets $174 of that. Not okay. No, not okay at all. Well, hopefully they'll they'll figure out a, a resolution that does not involve him being put in handcuffs. That's ridiculous. Speaking of a guy in handcuffs, though, a U.S. Border Patrol agent has been arrested for distributing child pornography. His name is Keith Hook, 
And uh, they say that they know he did it using the mobile messaging app Kick because they uh, linked IP addresses to his home, to his work, and a hotel that he was at during a work conference. Oops. Uh, So he's in big trouble because according to the uh, criminal complaint, it was uh, images including a wide age range of children, including toddlers. And uh, he is uh, being held, not making the bail. It doesn't say how much his bail is here. Do you see it? I don't see it. No, I didn't see that. Uh, Well, I guarantee you it's very, very high. Can we just end with the uh, winky story number uh, 13? Go ahead. Wife says, this is the headline. Wife says she sliced off cheating's husband penis, then threw it out the window. Why why was it so important to you that we get this story in? Scott flew into town last night. Just saying. (laughs) Uh, This happened in Thailand. Officers uh, recovered the penis, put it in a cooler. But the surgeon said there is no way. To sew it back on. Oh. I also understand now the wife, in addition to having the criminal charges and everything, is uh, facing a copyright infringement lawsuit from Lorena Bobbitt. And that is Handle on the News Late Edition. When we come back, there's a law. And it is impossible to follow the law. And yet, the law still stands. How can this be? We'll talk about it when we come back. It's KFI AM 640. Jennifer Jones-Lee has news right now. And the Jay-Z song in my taxi cab everybody's looking at me now like who's that chick that's rocking kicks she gotta be from out of town so hard with my girls on around me it's definitely not a nashville party because all i see is the letter i guess i never got the memo my tummy's turning and i'm feeling kind of homesick too much pressure and i'm nervous i didn't want to interrupt if you had to uh, surmise what was happening in here, what would you surmise based on what you saw? You backed over your headphone cord and yanked it out of the jack? Yes, and it became impossibly tangled in the mechanism of the rolling chair. <laughs> I'm like, why is this music going for so long? I was paying attention at first. I had no headphones. I, I just thought you really liked this I had to extricate song. them. That you and Miley were like tight there for a, a second. Job. Hey, it's KFI AM640. What I like about holidays, uh, you know, when I fill in or whatever, is that it really brings up the level of professionalism on the broadcast. Uh, Bill is off today. He'll be back tomorrow. Hey, let's talk about how dumb the law is. Yeah. Now, this particular situation, it involves guns, but this is not really a gun topic, okay? It's It's a topic about the absurdity of laws sometimes. So here's what happened. Uh, California, certainly a state that is no stranger to passing laws about guns. And back in 1999, they passed this unsafe handgun act. 
They said, hey, we don't want any guns that aren't made well or that don't operate safely to be sold in the state. And so we passed this law and the California Department of Justice had to test any new guns to make sure that they complied with the safety standards. And then you have a list of approved guns that you can buy in California. And that went on for a while. And then in 2007, they decided up there to change the definition of what is an unsafe handgun. And they said, here's what an unsafe handgun is. Uh, If it is not already on the list, if it's already on the list, we're not going to mess with that. But any new gun that wants to get on the list of approved guns, and we're not talking about so-called assault weapons, AR-style rifles. We're not talking about anything crazy. We're talking about regular old semi-automatic pistols. Uh, They said any new gun, in order to be considered safe enough to be sold in the state, must have dual-placement micro-stamping. Which is, uh, it must have microscopic characters inside the gun that identify the make, model, and serial number. And it has to be in at least two different places on the interior surface or internal working parts of the gun. Which already, that's a pretty tall order. But then they went further and they said, and... Every time you fire it, that information has to be transferred to the cartridge. All right. How that makes a gun safer to operate, well, it doesn't. I was going to say I don't know, but I do know, and the answer is it doesn't. It definitely, in theory, would make it easier to, uh, I don't know, identify the owners of guns. If you have a bullet at the scene of a crime, I guess it would tell you what gun it came from. Oh, okay, but that's not about safety of guns. That's about that's a crime thing, which is not necessarily a terrible idea. But why does everybody pretend all the time that they're doing something for one reason when they're really doing it for another reason? All right, here's the problem. It's impossible. You can't do it. And legislators, they don't seem to care about mandating things that cannot be done. If we can take this for a second out of the realm of of this gun issue, think about the climate change targets that the state has put into place or the targets for what portion of a utility's energy has to come from renewable sources that are put into place. And the thinking behind it is, I am trying to be nice about it right now, is if we set impossibly high standards, then people will be forced to figure out how to meet those standards. And that's how we will get those standards. In other words, uh, it's only impossible because nobody's trying hard enough, so we got to give them a reason to try. So back to the gun thing. So you now have a a law that says uh, you can't sell or own or transfer or import a gun that, if it's not already on the list, that uh, doesn't have this impossible-to-implement technology inside of it. 
And so, as you might imagine, uh, there was a lawsuit. The National Shooting Sports Foundation filed a lawsuit, and they pointed out something very interesting uh, about the law here in California. There's a section in the Civil Code that says the law never requires impossibilities. This is like an overarching provision of the law in California. You can't have a law that is impossible to follow. So they sued and said, this gun requirement, you have to invalidate that because the law in California is you can't have an impossible law. Which makes sense, right? Well, it went up to the California Supreme Court and the California Supreme Court just ruled that law is fine. We do not have to invalidate the law. You can have a law on the books that is impossible to follow. Now, the way that it works out, and it's sort of technical, but the way that it works out is obviously uh, nobody... The, the, the way to comply with the law is you can't sell any new guns. That's all. Basically, what they've effectively done is they've said, you're never going to have a new type of uh, pistol. So Smith & Wesson or Ruger or Taurus, I can't believe I brought up Taurus in the same breath as those other brands, but okay, uh, you know, uh, or SIG, I don't know, get to the good guns, SIGs, HKs, whatever. If they come out with a new pistol that is better in some way, maybe even a new pistol that is safer... Can't sell it here. And that's, I guess, when I say that law is impossible, I guess it's not impossible. It's impossible to put this crazy micro-stamping stuff inside of a gun. But I guess it's not impossible to just never, ever be able to sell an updated version of a gun in the state. And that's what's happening. All right. Hey, when we come back, uh, some people really like guns. Some people really like the weed, but get ready for a big buzzkill here in California with the weed, because apparently we're not going to have enough for y'all. It's KFI AM 640, Jennifer Jones-Lee. You have news right now. Wayne, we have a wiener. Oh, tell me. At least on the women's side. Yes, yes. Mickey Sudo. Yes, of course. Of she, course. Look, Mickey Sudo and Joey Chestnut, they are the ringers. They are the LeBron Jameses of competitive eating, and they're always going to win because they're the best. Okay, we talked about how earlier Joey's record was 72 that he's trying to beat this year. Mm -hmm. How many do you think Mickey ate this year? If Joey's record is 72. 73. 37. She only ate 37, okay. I love, though, that we're like, only. gosh, she only ate 37 well, in 10 minutes. Well, because you set the bar within right. the 70s. With Joey. Ugh. She's physically smaller. Oh, she's teeny. Okay, and hot yeah. dogs are all the same size. She has won the contest now for the last five years in a yeah. row. We're talking about the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest she's in Brooklyn. She's the warriors of hot dog eating. <laughs> That's a very good comparison. Joey Chestnut should start at uh, 9.30 this morning and uh, should last about 10 minutes. That's all it takes. So he's going right. to try and beat 72. Uh, we will be we will be probably talking about how, the you know, these jewel vape pens. Oh, yeah. How they're actually pretty evil. So you just break right in when you have a Joey Chestnut. Maybe result, there's a please. hot dog flavored vape pen.
it on purpose, right? No, this was the two out of the ten that were on the anti-list that I said those were fair game, you remember? Jen, Jen told me. It's okay. I can't even. Is he doing it on purpose now? That's what I asked him, and he said no. All I think right, he I misunderstood the list. I think he I think he thought you sent him a list of songs that talk about America that are good songs about America, but you sent him a list of songs that talk about America or use the word America that are actually negative songs. Yeah, John, psst. These are songs you're not supposed to use. Not songs to use. KFI AM 640. It's a Bill Handel show. It's July 4th. Bill will be back tomorrow. Thank goodness. And uh, hey, guys and gals, get ready for a big buzzkill because uh, we're not going to have enough pot here in California. It's the six-month anniversary of legalized recreational marijuana, and a lot of people are griping. Prices are high. Taxes are high. There's not enough licensed pot shops to go around. And now they're expecting a bottleneck because one of the requirements is all the weed has to be tested. Which I understand from the standpoint of, you know, you don't want to sell marijuana that's full of dangerous pesticides and what have you. The problem is there are not enough labs to test the pot. And it's pretty expensive. And there's a whole bunch of pot companies that are going to go out of business. They're going to have to destroy all of their pot. They estimate it could be up to $400 million in marijuana products that will just have to be destroyed. Because they won't meet the new standards for these testing and packaging rules. Once again, like you really can overregulate something. And I think that's what happened here. And part of it was because part of the blame for this falls at the feet of the proponents of legalizing recreational marijuana. Who said, well, let's put some stuff in here for the anti-pot people. Because we have a better shot at getting this passed. So, for example, they said local cities and counties, you can ban pot stores if you want. You don't have to allow it. We'll put that in there so anti-pot people will feel like, okay, maybe this is something I can possibly support or at least not actively fight against. And now those uh, chickens are coming home to roost. I think there's something going on right now. Oh, maybe it's too late. You know what? Maybe it was up until earlier this week. There seem to be a lot of advertisements from uh, dispensaries with big sales in June. And that's because, see, when they when we passed the thing, the testing requirements were supposed to go into effect the beginning of this year. And, of course, everything got bogged down and nobody was ready. And so they pushed it to July 1st. So I think what was going on in June is every pot store everywhere, that was their last chance to dump all the non-conforming stuff. That's got to be what it is. And now we're in a weird situation where, okay, July 1st has come and, and gone, and theoretically these regulations are in place, but that they still don't have enough labs to test it all. You still have all of these companies that can't comply. So they're all going to have to destroy everything and go out of business. There are 31 labs across the state. I, my best guess is you'd probably need a couple hundred 
minimum uh, to test everything. And so uh, get ready because you're going to have that great combination of uh, limited supply and sky-high prices. And I don't know if that's what the intent was. I don't know that the intent was to turn legal marijuana into a luxury item for everybody. And I'll tell you who, got, who really gets screwed is the medical users. Because we've had medical marijuana for a long time. I think 1996 we passed medical marijuana here in California. And it was not very regulated. Very loosely regulated. Uh, but also there didn't really seem to be any problems. There is the, uh, some people have a moral problem with medical marijuana because a lot of people just, they you know, they go to one of these pot card doctors and they just say oh i can't sleep and the guy goes here's your card and they feel that it does a disservice to the serious medical problems for which cannabis can be used but aside from that there weren't any big issues with it weren't big issues with supply and there really weren't any big issues with safety there was no appreciable amount of people getting sick uh from bad pot But in order to get the recreational pot, which was viewed as a huge revenue generator, which it has not turned out to be so far, they really clamped down on the regulations. And I think they may have clamped down so far that you don't have a workable system. Eventually, years from now, I suppose, maybe we'll have enough labs. But you know what? If all the companies go away... You won't need as many labs. You may be, we may have created a permanent legal pot shortage. There will never be a pot shortage in California. There may be a permanent legal shortage. There will always be a black market. And isn't it interesting that in a state that has legalized both medical and now recreational, that the black market, when, when it's so easy, it's the easiest thing in the world to go buy pot at a pot store now. And yet, people are still choosing to buy it from, you know, their bud down the street. Only California could ruin something this thoroughly. Hey, when we come back, speaking of drugs, uh, nicotine is a drug. And you've been hearing a lot about these jewel vape pens that are very popular with the young people. Well, uh, researchers are starting to find out just why they may be so popular And it's not that they're pina colada flavored. It's something else that's going on inside of those things. We'll talk about when we come back. It's KFI AM 640. Jennifer Jones-Lee, you have news now. I do. And uh, by the way, I think Kobayashi is there against Joey Chestnut this year. So two champs going head to head or stomach to stomach. Yeah, but it's still it's still a Cavs warrior situation. KFI AM 640. Happy 4th of July to you. This is the Bill Handel Show. Bill's off today. He'll be back tomorrow. Jewel. Not the singer. J-U-U-L. The vape pen that is uh, starting to dominate the market. They already have a $15 billion valuation. And they're raising another $1.2 billion, So they'll be worth more than $16 billion. 
why. There are so many different vape pens out there. If you're trying to quit smoking or if you're trying to kick your nicotine habit or also very common, you're not trying to kick your nicotine habit at all. You just don't want the extra health problems that come with smoking cigarettes. It's kind of like methadone maintenance for opiate addicts. You know, you take methadone every day. And for some people, they say, oh, over time, I'll gradually lower the dose and lower the dose and lower the dose. And one day I'll be methadone free. But there are other people who say, I will never stop taking this. Because I'm not trying to treat my addiction. I'm trying to manage it. I need to be able to hold down a job and live some kind of a stable life. So I'm going to take this methadone every day. And some people are using vape pens that way. They have no intention really of quitting. So in any event, what is so different about Juul? Anecdotal information started coming in from people who said, you know, there's something about when I vape with a Juul that is much smoother than any other vape pen. Or uh, what do they call it? Vape juice? E-cig juice? I don't know. Well, it turns out those people are not wrong. They may not know why, but they're right. Some researchers uh, got a bunch of these pens and a bunch of other vape products, and they tested the juice at a molecular level, and it turns out, and I didn't know this, there's two kinds of nicotine that are in the stuff that you smoke or vape. There's freebase nicotine, and there's something called nicotine salts. And I guess you take freebase nicotine, and you mix it with uh, benzoic acid, and there's a chemical reaction, and it produces these nicotine salts. That is what Juul is doing, and they have patented it. And it turns out, guess what else has nicotine salts? Cigarettes. Here's the interesting thing to me. If you have ever, quote, smoked a cigar and you accidentally inhale, holy guacamole does that hurt. I mean, look, as far as I'm concerned, a regular cigarette hurts, but... Cigar smoke going down into your lungs, ouch. Also, pipes. If you ever went through a phase, or maybe you still do, you like to puff on that pipe, and you accidentally inhale, wow. And it's because uh, pipe tobacco and cigar tobacco, they're delivering you that so-called freebase nicotine. And the advantage of it is it can be absorbed through your mouth. That's why you don't have to inhale. But... It is much harsher on your throat and your lungs. The nicotine salts are not as bad. And that's what you have in cigarettes. And that's what the Juul company has figured out. And I got to hand it to them. Because what they've managed to do is create a product that ostensibly is to either help you stop smoking or at least be a healthier alternative to smoking. And they have managed to make it 
every bit the nicotine addiction machine that cigarettes are. And the fact that they could patent it on top of that is like the cherry on top of the whatever has the cherry on top of it. Sunday cupcake. Fill in your own dessert. Now, of course, the company, you know, denies a couple of things. They deny that they're trying to get people addicted to nicotine. And they deny that they want kids to use it. But, of course, like so many of these vape products, it comes in all kinds of flavors, including creme brulee, fruit medley, and stuff sounds delicious. And it turns out that different flavors of this uh, this Juul product have different levels of nicotine and different levels of the nicotine salts versus the free-based nicotine. And it's very interesting that the more uh, candy-like, if you will, or dessert-like the flavor, the more nicotine. And the higher percentage of these nicotine salts that are in there. So they have created the perfect device to get people addicted to nicotine uh, who, were, who were thinking who were thinking that they were doing something healthier. And tobacco use has been dropping for teens and adolescents uh, since at least 2011. It's been steadily dropping. But these e-cigarettes and these vaping products, their use has been going up. And, you know, I think a lot of adults... They they they're smokers already and then they turn to vaping either to try to quit or because they think it's healthier, which in a lot of ways it can be. But what you're seeing with the youngsters is these are not kids who are smoking cigarettes and then decide to switch over. This is their first interaction with a nicotine delivery system. They're not interested in smoking cigarettes. Cigarettes taste like crap. Cigarettes smell bad. They're not interested in that. But man, a creme brulee flavored thing that doesn't hurt your throat? Hello, thank you. And what they may not realize is they're getting the most perfect kind of nicotine to get them addicted to nicotine. And so we may be uh, creating generations of youngsters who are not interested in cigarettes at all, but who are just going straight to being vape addicts. The FDA is very unhappy with all of this, and they have demanded that the company Juul turn over all of the information about what they're doing and how they're doing it. And as you might imagine, uh, you know, Juul's not that interested in having the government crawl up their backside. And the wrinkle that makes this different is the patent. So not only do they have the most effective uh, nicotine addiction product in the vaping world, according to these researchers, they're the only ones who can sell it. So, of course, their market share is huge. Of course, they're worth soon to be $16 billion. From a health standpoint, it's a catastrophe. From a business standpoint, you could not have been any smarter than Jewel. Bill should do a success from scratch on the on Jewel. Yeah. It's like the evil success from scratch. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to finish the show with some fun. You always hear about weird laws that are still on the books. 
There's one that I remember that I heard about years ago that has never left my mind. I think about it like at least once a month. I remind myself of it because it's so weird. I'll tell you what that one is. And we have one from every state. Crazy laws that are still on the books. This is KFI AM 640. Because we'll put a boot in your ass. It's the American way. Help us out. Put your name at the top of his list. And the Statue of Liberty started shaking her fist. And the eagle will fly. And it's going to be hell. When you hear Mother Freedom start ringing her bell. And it'll feel like the whole wide world is raining down on you. KFI AM 640. This is the Bill Handel Show. Bill's off today. He'll be back tomorrow. Coming up at 10 o'clock, in for Gary and Shannon, and here now, Mo Kelly. Good morning, sir. Good, Good morning. To see Good you. to see you. Are there, if I say to you, weird laws that are still on the books, are there any that come to your mind? Not off the, the top, top of, of my head. head. Not top of my head, but I'm quite sure there's some uh, down south, some around the country, which probably people have forgotten about that are still on the books. But as far as California, I can't think of any. Well, we have one from every state, but there, before we get into this list, there's one that I read about years and years and years ago, and I've never forgotten about it, and every, like, at least once a month, for some reason, it pops into my head, and it was, it, there was a law in Montana that you, it was illegal to peel an orange in a hotel room. But all the other stuff was legal. Oh, yeah, up there? Yeah. That was about the only law that they had. All right, so let's start going alphabetically. These are laws that are currently on the books. There's a guy, there's a big article uh, with a guy named Philip Howard. He's a lawyer, and he, he this is his whole uh, thing. He advocates to reform obsolete laws. Okay, although there's got to be bigger fish to fry in the legal system than, you know that law about you can't peel an orange? In a, right. We really need to get rid of that law because nobody's being prosecuted. For most of these crimes. So who is the client? How do you generate business off that? I don't know. I guess you write books about it. Hmm. In Alabama, it is illegal to get out of jury duty or to try to get out of jury duty by maiming yourself. I don't think that should be illegal. That's its own punishment. Self-immolation? Yeah. Yeah. In Alaska... Oh, okay. If a fire hose is in use, you're not allowed to drive over it. That makes sense, absolutely. Yeah, that actually, you know what? I'm putting an asterisk next to that one because that's not really a crazy I would, I law. I wouldn't challenge that one. No, no, no. Um, in Arizona, if you kill a, quote, big game animal with your car, you can keep it, but you have to get a permit from a police officer first. Okay. They um, voted for that? Oh, no, 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 no. You know what's still on the law in Arkansas? It is against the law to win at pinball more than 25 times in a row. Now, that's one where I really wonder what the problem was. Except I wonder if it was a, some kind of cheating, hustling was going on. It's got to be some underlying current of that. But still, I mean, if you just happen to be good, I mean, yeah. if Bill Clinton was good, why are you going to penalize him? I don't know. Uh, hey, here in California... Jumping frog contests. Remember the jumping frog of Calaveras County? Is that a Mark Twain story? Yeah. Well, here's the rule in California. It's still the law of the land. If your frog dies, 
during a jumping contest, you are not allowed to eat that frog. But if it dies in a winter circle, you can eat it? I guess, yeah. I don't know. Or if it just if it commits suicide, you can eat it. But not during a jumping contest. Um well this all right, this one, see, this shouldn't be on the list either. In Colorado, it's illegal to mutilate anything in a state park. Trees, wildflowers, shrubbery. I guess why that would, is that even on a list of stupid laws? No, I, that would make sense to me. That's just park vandalism. Yeah, that's exactly what that is. Um, oh, okay. Uh, in Connecticut, if you want to dye, as in coloring, dye your chicken blue or make your rabbit more blue. red, uh, you can, but you can't do it professionally. You can go to the you store can't and buy sell them. Okay. You, so, in other words, you can go to the store, buy the dye, uh-huh. and go ahead and, and use it, yeah. but you can't make money off them? Correct. You can't make a business out of it because you can't sell it. Uh, oh, no tongue splitting in Delaware. You can't do it to yourself. You can't do it to somebody else unless you're a doctor or a dentist. And it's exactly what it sounds like. You just cut your tongue right down the middle. So you have like a look like a lizard. Yeah, that seems like something that should be done by a professional, right? Yeah. All right, I'm not, that one doesn't go. Oh, dwarf tossing is illegal in Florida. What about tipping? You know, it doesn't say right. You can tip them, but not toss them. As long as what is is it a one foot on the ground rule Maybe. all the time? Maybe. You oh, in Georgia, you cannot live on a boat for more than thirty days straight. Well, that's not living then. That's a vacation. Uh, oh, th- again, this one not dumb. Uh, billboards are illegal in Hawaii. I would. That's a law that ought I, to get off the island and come onto the mainland. Yeah, don't you think that that actually makes sense to me? Open oh, air advertisement. Yeah. Also, this in Idaho, it's illegal to eat human flesh. Thanks for that. Just when I was going to consider it. Hmm. Oh, you know, in Indiana, there are three ways to catch a fish that are illegal. Harpoon? No, that's legal. Dynamite? Uh, Illegal. What about poison? Uh, Technically legal, although there might be an environmental law against putting poison into a lake. But it's not strictly illegal to poison a fish. Uh, No dynamite. No guns. (laughs) And... You cannot fish with your hands in Indiana. You can't go Grizzly Adams. No, you cannot. Anyway, uh, you know, that's a fun thing about America. But how is someone going to know if you're fishing by hands as opposed to a gun or whatever? Ranger sees you reaching in, pulling out a trout. You can use bait and a hook, but not your hands. You can use a bait and hook. Uh, You can use a spear. You can use a harpoon. You can use a lot of things. You could. It doesn't say you can't use like a Dyson vacuum, but you can't grab that fish. What do you have coming up on the big show today, sir? Well, we're going to talk about what people are watching on this 4th of July. Uh, for all the cord cr- cutters like me, uh, the world is beginning to change. And um, I look at you watch this hot dog eating contest. I can't look. It's, it's so look. gross, but it's I so can't. And I refuse to look because Joey Chestnut way ahead right now. He's up to sixty, 
And the next closest competitor is at a paltry 42 hot dogs. See, it's like whale watching. A few, I don't know how long there's left to go. Probably just about a minute just or so. 30 seconds left. All I need seconds? is one person to start right, vomiting well, and I'm done. No. He's not going to break his record of 72, though. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, we're not going to talk uh, about that. So aside from hot dog eating contests, what are we watching on 4th of July? Well, a lot of people are watching the World Cup, but... Far fewer are watching it because the United States is not in it, which makes sense. But there are also also some other reasons as far as what network it's on this time around as opposed to last time. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. We'll talk about that. And also uh, Rachel Dolezal is out of jail. Oh. Yeah. She went to jail on fraud charges. Food stamp fraud or something like that? Yeah. That too. Mm, That that too? too? (laughs) I think she should be in jail for oh, all sorts sorry. of fraud I reasons. Wait, I can't wait to hear what the primary the common was. theme is fraud with her. I see. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and um, also what's open, what's closed on this 4th of July. It happens every year, and we never remember. Yeah, and don't get disappointed. You right. gotta. Li- we have to listen to you so I don't go, hey, let me pop over to that place, and yeah. then the locked doors mocking me. Whole Foods is open, thank goodness. Got my breakfast there. Oh, very good. Yes. Good to know. All right, Mo Kelly, let me vacate this chair for you. You're coming up next. This is KFI AM 640.